At Northrop Grumman, cybersecurity is at the core of everything we do. Our cyber workforce is defining possible every day in an environment that fosters talent and rewards excellence. Northrop Grumman needs cyber professionals like you to join our team to help defend our nation and its allies. We have openings in Maryland, Northern Virginia, Cincinnati, Ohio, and Tampa, Florida. To begin your journey with us, visit our careers webpage, northropgrumman.com forward slash careers. Welcome to the Defense and Aerospace Reports weekly cyber report sponsored by Northrop Grumman. I'm your host, Vago Maradian. The Biden administration has just released the guidelines for its 2.0 version of the Cybersecurity Model Maturity Certification to improve the cybersecurity across to improve cybersecurity across the defense industrial base and make it consistent with the administration and the government's broader National Institutes of Standards and Technology Security uh, Strictures. Joining us today to discuss this issue are Bob Metzger, uh, a partner with the law firm of Rogers Joseph O'Donnell, uh, who specializes in cyber law. He is the counsel of record uh, for Microsoft to defend the company against the suit filed by Amazon protesting DOD's $10 billion Jedi cloud services uh, contract to Microsoft. And he is also uh, a member, or I should say was a member of the Defense Science Board Task Force that produced uh, a very influential 2017 report, Cyber uh, Supply Chain, or the Cyber Supply Chain Report. So sorry about making that uh, unnecessarily repetitive, Bob. And Michael Specka, the president of cybersecurity firm Artelist. He has joined us many times in the past. Uh, and uh, he is also one of the companies that is helping implement uh, CMMC and has uh, joined us uh, to uh, discuss uh, this moment, right? What parts of uh, CMMC are likely to survive or not? Guys, thanks so very much for joining us. Thank you. Appreciate being here, Vago. Yeah, well, well, welcome back, and uh, and Bob, uh, great to have you on. And before we get started, a uh, word from our sponsors. Bell sponsors our daily podcast. Leonardo DRS sponsors our global coverage. General Atomics Aeronautical Systems sponsors our coverage of strategy. GM Defense sponsors our technology coverage. And L3 Harris uh, sponsors our coverage of joint all-domain command and control. Michael, uh, let me start with you, Ryan. I mean, a couple of the other times you've been on have been speculative, uh, as the administration has been working to, uh, or I think towards this uh, this two. 2.0 CMMC. Um, what what is it? How is it different from the 1.0 pilot program? Right. I mean, there was a uh, a meeting uh, yesterday, uh, you know, with the government, with Jesse Salazar, uh, the uh, manufacturing and industrial based policy uh, chief of the Pentagon, talking a little bit uh, about this. It was a little bit of an acrimonious meeting, uh, all 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 told. But but talk to us about how this uh, 2.0 version is meaningfully different from what the pilot program that was launched by the last administration uh, is? Sure. So um, there's a, a handful of key distinctions, key changes, I should say, that, that uh, the government's put in place with this new model. Um, they set out to uh, do a handful of things. I, I think they probably achieved some of their objectives. Um, first is the simplification of the model. So the previous model has five levels. The new model has three. Previous model, two of those uh, levels were considered transition levels. So getting those uh, out um, reduces the complexity. Um, I don't know that the actual list of controls is the most meaningful change there, though. Uh, probably what's a little bit more meaningful is the realignment of those controls, as you mentioned in your introduction, with uh, NIST standards. 
So uh, previous regulations were aligned with NIST 800-171. CMMC level three introduced new controls uh, to the model. Um, and this new version of CMMC goes, uh, you know, in some ways people say back, but, you know, perhaps uh, we can talk about more forward uh, to realign with the 800-171 controls uh, at the new level two, the old level three. Um, in addition to alignment with 800-171, uh, this new model is really, a, uh, in some ways, a change in the enforcement uh, or accountability mechanisms that are included with uh, CMMC. So model 1.0 has got a lot of attention, you know, established this uh, CMMC-AB, and the CMMC-AB was going to... And, and uh, that's the, uh, and we should say, right, that's the nonprofit advisory board. Right, and, and there were some questions about whether the board, the composition of the board, right? But there were some questions about that, but but I just wanted yeah. to tell people who might not know what the AB was, what the AB is. No, I appreciate that, Vago. And there certainly has been controversy around the AB. Um, in fact, they just received, which is I think a step in the right direction, they just received their official nonprofit status, um, which is I think good news for us in the community. That uh, AB uh, mission was to accredit um, a uh, group of assessors who would then go um, confirm that organizations that were supposed to be implementing these controls uh, and implementing these cybersecurity programs were uh, in fact doing that. So one of the big criticisms of the previous program was the number of assessors that were going to be required and how many organizations were going to be assessed and uh, CMMC 2.0 made a substantial change to that. Uh, so the level one will not be assessed by a third party. Uh, level two, they're going to split. Um, the, some organizations can be assessed by the third party. Some organizations can self-attest. Uh, and then the government's taken over the assessments at level three. So there's a big change in that uh, accountability uh, portion. And they made a couple other uh, modifications that we can get into regarding uh, the flexibility and how long it takes to adopt the program. But largely, um, the, the reduction in levels and the change in the accountability or enforcement uh, mechanisms uh, is the big news, I think. Uh, Bob, your sense on what the administration has gotten right, maybe uh, right, what, what's right, what's wrong, what can be improved, what is an improvement? What, what's your sense on, on where we've ended up? Well, you know, I gotta give credit to, to the administration and sort of following through what it told Congress and the community five or six months ago. Um, Jesse Salazar is the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for uh, Industrial Policy. Now, he said to the Senate that, that they were looking to do uh, three things in this uh, reconsideration of CMMC. One was to make it uh, more clear. Another was to um, improve the perception of integrity in how uh, assessors were going to be trained, accredited, and employed. And then the third was to, to make the whole thing uh, easier upon small business so that we would not uh, produce an unwanted flight of small businesses from the industrial base and so that we could uh, maintain uh, the interest of bringing innovators uh, into the industrial base. And they made progress in all three of those, in some areas more, in some areas a little less. So on the clarity, uh, the simple version is uh, what Michael said. Instead of having this kind of unique bespoke uh, set of maturity levels, each with their own uh, set of practices and policies and each, each level having its own assessment guide, you know, we kind of simplified it. We, we have uh, three levels 
one of which is uh, pretty, pretty far out there for dealing with advanced persistent threats. And that's really going to be a government problem. And then at the other end, we've got uh, this level one, where the information really isn't as important as uh, other types of information. And where I think the new initiative makes a sensible judgment, if not overdue. Uh, yes, we want people to protect federal contract information, but no, we are not going to train armies of assessors to go out to 100 plus thousand companies to test them. So the focus now is upon level two, which is probably where it should have been in the, in the first place. And within level two, there's a division between companies who have controlled unclassified information that ought to be protected, but isn't so important. And then there's this other group that has controlled unclassified information, which has um, consequences to national security. And so DOD is focusing upon the latter. Those are the folks who are going to have required assessments who will need certification if they're to do contracts. Now, I mentioned you know, that there was uh, integrity. So DOD has done some changes in its relationship with the accreditation body so that there's more, so that more of the roles I think that are, are gonna be held by DOD unless authority may be held by the AB. Details of that haven't been provided. Let's talk about small business, really a crucial problem. Well, the biggest help to small business is telling the 100 plus thousand that don't get sensitive defense information that they're not gonna be subject to assessment. But there is uh, some room to go there because we still really haven't given the smaller businesses who are in the defense industrial base, you know, clear guidance on, on what they can do that is affordable and practicable and successful from a security standpoint. So let me, Michael, um, go, go back to you, right? I mean, there, there is a... Everything. Everybody, I think, feels a real sense of urgency about the importance of uh, doing this and 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 doing it right. Right. There are those was reflected um, a little bit yesterday uh, in the conversation um, between industry and the government. Right. I mean, there are people who did pay fees uh, and we're getting this started. And now we're nine, you know, nine to 12 months uh, later. There are those who say, look, the delay is worth it as long as we end up in a collectively better place. It, you know, how do we need to view this uh, delay? Uh, ultimately. Yeah. So a couple of thoughts on that, Vago. One is, you know, is it really a delay? So uh, the the CMMC 1.0 model was going to be phased in over five years and level three added, uh, you know, some 20 controls uh, that did not exist in the 800-171 model, which was creating a lot of um, concern, especially among small businesses about increased cost and how is the government going to increase the cost? Um, so between the five-year phase-in and the, the um, controversy around the additional controls, um, now you're looking at nine to 24 months of rulemaking. Uh, DOD has been much, uh, is able to be much more clear. We're, we're gonna put this in place, right? The current website says after rulemaking is done, this is going into contracts, not we're gonna phase it in uh, over a, a long period of time, but we're gonna be putting it in contracts. Um, and uh, there's really no need to now debate whether or not the, the list of controls is right. We're going to put that in the hands of NIST. Um, there's a lot of efforts across the federal government to take cybersecurity more seriously. And now we've got a central standard. We don't have, as Bob mentioned, a special DOD standard. Right. Uh, so one might argue that this is actually going to make things move faster. Um, the controls that you need to put in place are well understood. They've existed for a while. Um, there's, there's you know, kind of nothing new under the sun if you want to be level two. Um, and we don't need to necessarily wait around for all these assessors to get trained so the five-year phase-in doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't have to uh, happen. 
Um, so I think in that respect, you know, perhaps there isn't even really a delay. Uh, second of all, I think one of the important things that DOD has said, along with this shift um, to NIST or back to NIST, is that uh, they don't want to be in the business of explaining to industry what a good cybersecurity program looks like. Um, there's, there's a lot of uh, conversation uh, for people who track these policies in a ton of detail about uh, things that are referred to as NFO requirements. Um, if you want to go dig into the details of, of NIST 80171 and 853, you can find in there that a lot of the maturity requirements that were put in the CMMC in level three, you can make the argument that those requirements have always been there. Uh, but in the past, uh, the government has said, and now they've said again, we're going to make the assumption that our supply chain is doing a good job with cybersecurity in general, and we're going to focus on the requirements um, for that supply chain to protect uh, DOD information, government information. Um, so what does that nine to 24 months really buy you as an organization? Well, it buys you the time to do just that, right? To think about your cybersecurity posture and your cybersecurity program um, at, in terms of, you know, what's right for your business, not only uh, what do we need to do to uh, secure government data. And it gives you a little bit more flexibility in thinking about what that should look like because now those controls, uh, which again, some would argue have always been there, um, the means to achieve those uh, outcomes are a little bit more in the hands of uh, discretion inside the business, which could could be a very good thing. Bob, process is still about self-certifying, uh, right? The assessments are every three years. Um, and if I'm correct, uh, and I was not part of the conversation last night, but Jesse Salazar basically said, hey, look, don't wait for the government to tell you what cyber security is or isn't, which is a little bit of what Katie Arrington would tell people, right? I mean, you guys know what it is you should be doing to, to try to improve your security. What, what are some of the messages here? And is, right, I mean, I think there's a, a sense that we're not doing nearly enough now, and this is better than, than nothing, but where do we need to go on this evolutionary path of improving supply chain security, right? We're going from not very good to better, but not nearly as good as we need to be, right? So talk to us about the journey that we're on and where it is we need to be going. Well, we need to go broader and farther, but not everything can be done you know, by regulation with the expense and, and burden of the apparatus to do assessments or you know, the cost uh, to the enterprises of being assessed. I was a co-author of the 2018 uh, Deliver and Compromise report. I was a consultant to MITRE and I still am. And in that report, we said that uh, DOD was suffering a hemorrhage of critical technical information. And we said that self-attestation uh, wasn't working. And we urged that DOD move in the direction of having assessments. Well, CMMC, to an extent, you know, was an outgrowth of that report and its recommendations. But there's always a balance between, you know, the ideal that you wish you could accomplish if funds and resources were not a constraint and the actual world in which funds and resources, time and talent are a constraint. And I actually think that DOD has hit a pretty good balance here, but we need to take it from a larger perspective of just who is being assessed for what in this program. CMFC has always been about you know, one particular type of threat and harm, and that is the threat to confidentiality of information and about the protection of information systems to maintain that confidentiality. 
In the world outside of CMMC, there's a broad list or range of other types of threats, including ransomware. But the hazard that companies face is not just that their information will be stolen, but that it will be stolen and they will be denied access to their system, or that it would be stolen, made available to adversaries, used against them commercially, or even potentially corrupted. And I think it's recognized by senior leadership at DOD that the CMMC is kind of part of the larger whole. It's been said that it's not the holistic solution. It isn't. It is important. And accomplishments uh, to, to satisfy 171 you know, will take you along that journey as you describe it. But companies need to be thinking about other forms of threats. They could be the security of software that they uh, create or buy or rely upon. It certainly could be the assurance that they have in every form of supply chain participant. That could be a cloud service provider, a managed service provider, a consulting firm, a solution developer, a hardware provider, firmware provider, or just an ordinary supplier of things that aren't electronic or logically driven. Companies that uh, want to be smart in the contemporary age, want to protect their enterprise value, and want to comply with CMMC are going to need to look across that broader span of threats, recognize you know, the incredible multiplicity of vulnerabilities, the agility of adversaries, and their regrettable creativeness. You know, this, these are conditions of today's commerce, irrespective of government regulation and requirement, that ought to be informing companies that they need to move progressively and systematically over a long-term period to improve their security and to adapt and to sustain security as the as threat environment evolves. Michael? Yeah, I, I think that's very well said. And, um, you know, if anything, CMMC 1.0 uh, with its sort of market making model of uh, these third party assessors um, really uh, changed the conversation, at least inside the defense industrial base around, um, you know, not whether I should do something, but I have to do something and what, what should I do? CMMC 2.0 does not relieve that question. You, you have to do something. And a lot of the controversy around CMMC um, has focused on small businesses. I think there's a lot that the industry has to do uh, and a lot that the government has to do to support small businesses. Um, you know, there's this uh, a concept out there of the cybersecurity poverty line that basically argues that it's been big companies and government that uh, have benefited the most from innovation in the cybersecurity space. Um, you know, we've talked about this before on your program a, a bit, uh, uh, Vago, that there's a, a lot of um, innovation and intellectual property that happens in small businesses. And, you know, those, in, those, those businesses don't necessarily have the means to afford the best solutions out there. So um, I think CMMC did us a lot of good in driving that conversation and bringing attention to the, um, the amount of innovation that at least is in the DOD supply chain in small businesses. Uh, the, the kind of relief and streamlining that's created in CMMC2 does help small companies, but industry's got a part to play. We have a part to play in terms of helping these companies find ways forward uh, that are affordable, that are realistic, uh, and that are achievable. And certainly at Artilus, that's you know the part of the puzzle that we're working on. Right. Um, I'd also add uh, to that that um, you know there, there's this fear that's been articulated that um, you know, small businesses will flee the, the defense industrial base that by putting these requirements in place, you're just going to drive, um, you know, smaller companies away from serving the defense department or potentially away from serving the federal government. And I think that's uh, the wrong way to look at the situation. And I think Bob put it very well. 
These are conditions of commerce now. Um, we have commercial supply, uh, you know, uh, customers who uh, are are asking us, you know, very similar questions to what the DoD is asking in terms of how are you going to protect my data? How can I uh, count on the fact that um, an attack on you isn't going to have an, uh, an outsized uh, impact on me uh, as a as a buyer? So to believe that there's going to be markets in the next three to five years that are uh, indifferent to um, how you as a supplier manage digital risk, I think is um, setting yourself up to be in a very uncomfortable place uh, when you realize that your competitors uh, and your customers are all asking uh, very similar questions about digital risk. And Bob, let me um, go, to, go to you on this question, right? Um, our, our sponsor, uh, Northrop, like a lot of uh, big contractors, uh, has been working with its supply chain to try to improve everybody's security, right? I mean, this is a sense that I... You know, something I'm doing can be compromised at a much lower level, uh, as as my, uh, Michael you, you mentioned, right? And that sort of um, cyber poverty line, we we've seen a lot of smaller shops not be able to to um, afford, or at least maybe uh, let me put it this way, haven't prioritized the uh, right. I mean, it's it's important to have the IP. On the other hand, it's also important to have the securities. Um, how, how Bob do we need to think about this future because? Each one of these individual supply chains are only as good as the primes who are involved with them are, you know what I mean? I mean, for those who are more engaged and more involved, it ends up being a better situation. For those who are less engaged and less involved, it's a worse situation. How do we need to think about how you're elevating the entire game and who covers some of those costs? I mean, I, I, I suppose if you if you wanted to be fully laissez-faire about this, you'd say, well, I mean, you know, if your technology is compromised and you know, you're debarred for some reason because you're deemed a cyber risk. That's that's your problem, and the ecosystem will somehow adjust. How how do we need to think about this, um, and and sort of take it to the next next level? Because this is not a full step toward remedying that concern, as Michael just said. Well, it's a great question. Um, look, I mean, the government has uh, contracts with the, the prime contractors. Uh, in the law, we call this privity of contract. It doesn't have contracts with subs, uh, at least not in a particular supply chain. And so it's going to be the responsibility of the prime contractors to be sure that uh, security is uh, delivered uh, to the government in the systems or solutions they offer. And to do that, the prime contractors are going to have to take measures that will give them confidence that the people that they include in their supply chain uh, can be trusted, trusted in terms of their system or solution security, trusted in terms of their availability, ownership control and the like. And already, you know, we see uh, many of the large contractors uh, making it, raising the bar for companies if they're gonna participate in their supply chain, there will be more of the same. Now, interestingly, you know, we have a situation where CMMC is not going to require uh, assessments and certification for nine to 24 months. Let's suppose that it is 24 months. Well, in that interval, I think there will be an opportunity for smaller companies um, to have an assessment done uh, to these new level two requirements. And the receipt of, a, the, of an assessment report or indication that you are you know, ready for certification, is gonna be a very powerful credential um, if your buyer is uh, discriminating between um, higher security demonstrated and, and less. But you know, going, going beyond that, um, you know, we have to think about what can be done for the smaller businesses. You know, so far, there's been a lot of discussion of tools and training. That's good. And lots of you know, forms of help desks to different organizations. You know, that's fine. 
But you know, really, we need to be looking outside what uh, government can do to what uh, industry can accomplish. And over the past several years, in part because of CMMC as a, as a precipitating event, you know, we've seen a, a number of uh, powerful methods for security emerge from a variety of cloud services providers, AWS, Microsoft, Salesforce, among others, who are working with managed service providers and solution, uh, solution providers. And what we have is the, the ability in the private sector to come up with security solutions that can, can be accomplished by smaller businesses tailored to what they need and can, can afford. And I think also uh, organized in a session, in a fashion, that produces positive outcomes, even if not all of the objectives are immediately reached. That's the way to go. DOD is not going to solve the problem for small business, but it can enable the private sector, the innovators in the commercial marketplace to help solve that problem in ways that uh, will keep small businesses in the DIB and which will you know, both accomplish security and be uh, practicable for them. Michael? I agree, and I'll add, um, you know, that is one place that government can make a big difference, um, is to help level the playing field. So, you know, in some sense, you've got a little bit of a tragedy of the commons problem that you alluded to, Vago, which is, well, if nobody does it, you know, who ultimately suffers? And the the answer is always the customer, right? Whether the customer is the government or the customer's consumer. Um, but there isn't a whole lot of uh, motivation to raise prices, right? To increase costs, which may turn into raising prices. So if you're a, a small business owner that's serving the government right now, and you're looking at the costs to implement these kinds of controls, uh, then you got to ask yourself, well, what am I going to do with those costs? Is it possible for me to create efficiencies with my investment, which is really some of the promise of the cloud service providers, um, so that I can be more productive and therefore offset my costs. There was a lot of debate around CMMC around allowable costs. Um, there's always increasing prices. Uh, at the end of the day, you, you've got to do something. And if you're in a competitive situation, anything that's going to turn into a price increase is going to look tough. And if you're already in a business where margins are thin, uh, that's going to be tougher. So what a regulation like CMMC is going to do or help do is establish the fact that everybody has to do something. And that draws a need for industry innovation, which is just absolutely required in this scenario um, for small business owners to be able to access technology that will help them uh, and services that will help them achieve this at an affordable cost. Um, and it forces everybody to reckon with the same costs. So now I'm not as an individual uh, in a position where it looks like my business is going to suffer because I'm making an investment and doing the right thing. And if my competitors don't, they can simply underbid me and roll the dice to see if they have a problem. Now it's everybody's problem. Uh, let me ask um, one, one last question, right? Um, how uh, every one of these policies can drive good or bad behaviors, right? Um, and, and sometimes when a course correction is made, right, we, we saw, for example, the accreditation body, how do we get this uh, uh, sense of, you know, that this is a truly objective body that is focused on uh, the mission at hand, right? It appears that both of you think that we're, we've achieved that in this, in this reordering. But more broadly, is this going to drive the right kinds of behaviors uh, and are you both convinced that it is going to drive the right behaviors? Or could the way that this has been structured actually 
drive potentially some negative behaviors. I mean, do we have enough experience, right? Because it was a bit of a sparky meeting, uh, a spirited meeting uh, yesterday where there were, um, you know, it was a little like Festivus. There was an airing of grievances. Uh, I, I think it's clear, right? So it's, it's not abundantly clear whether everybody agrees this is in the right direction or not, right? Well, you know, look, I mean, there were probably several thousand people on the, in the meeting yesterday. And, and almost all of them are stakeholders to one extent or another. And many of them have made investments of personal time or technical capital or, uh, you know, created businesses to be, to be uh, uh, serving the, bis- the, the demand that they expected from the CMMC marketplace. And a lot of these people are specialists who can get into the intricacies and make them still more complicated and detailed than where they started. So in that setting, you know, it's inevitable that there are going to be doubts, questions, disagreements, frustrations, um, you know, irritation, and even anger. Uh, I'm okay with that. I mean, to me, you know, you got to take the big picture, look at what you're trying to accomplish and ask yourself, you know, whether the new direction is more likely to result in a net good than it is to have followed the earlier course. And I don't think there's much question that we are likely to get a better outcome. Are we going to get, you know, the perfect security of every one of tens or hundreds of thousands of companies that could have been affected? Well, no, we're not. The perfect security has never been realistic as an objective. Now, you know, there are some contradictions and some tensions. Uh, at the same time that, DM- that DOD has announced DMNC 2.0, uh, that a Justice Department with considerable fanfare uh, has announced its intention to mount a campaign for um, cyber civil cyber fraud. It wants to use the False Claims Act as an instrument to motivate, if not compel or punish companies into doing a better job with cybersecurity. Well, you know, that kind of cuts both ways. Um, On the one hand, you know, DOD wants uh, every company that might experience an incident to promptly report that. On the other hand, the False Claims Act initiative might suggest to some companies that they're better off rolling the dice and not reporting an incident because if they report such an incident, that could lead to inquiry as to whether their controls and practices were up to snuff in the first place. Right. And uh, the resolution or accommodation of those tensions is not going to be easy. Finally, look, uh, you know, in the world we're in, there are going to be great actors, fair actors, and bad actors. There are going to be some companies who deny their requirements, who postpone their, their obligations, and who do less than enough or even bad things. In that respect, to the extent that this uh, civil cyber fraud initiative is successful, I hope it does catch the outliers. I hope it does find the egregious conduct. And I hope that there are examples made where the conduct is egregious so that everyone will understand that there is a consequence to defrauding the government or misleading it. Uh, And uh, Michael, you've got, unfortunately, we've got about 30 seconds left. You get the last word. Go ahead. We need some way to have conversations between organizations about these risks, right? We've developed ways to have conversations between organizations around financial risk, uh, around um, you know materials risk. Um, we don't have a way to talk to each other about cyber risk and what levels of cyber risk are acceptable. In fact, I would argue that a lot of business owners probably don't even think about this in terms of relative levels of cyber risk. Right. So one way or another, we've got to get there. The government um, and the Defense Department in particular is gonna play an instrumental role in that. And uh, defense industrial based companies need to care about the mission like they've always done, like they've always had to do. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, as I think Bob put it best, like this is, this is a condition of commerce now. 
and uh, something needs to be done. And I think any effort uh, to evolve our ability to solve this problem is a good effort. Uh, gentlemen, thanks so very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Uh, look forward to having you guys back on. Obviously, very, very important uh, topic. Uh, and we look forward to uh, relying on you to keep our audience informed. Thanks so very much again. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Fire. From cyberspace to outer space, Northrop Grumman cyber technology spans all domains and all aspects of national security. We are delivering the next generation of cyber capabilities that protect our nation and its allies. Visit northropgrumman.com forward slash cyber to learn more.